I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. You. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. All right, well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well... Jesus, I trust Good. you. Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall okay. back. Woo! Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. Okay. All right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay, hold it. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Woo! Forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. <laughs> yes, the Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. Good morning. Kind of ended on a different note, didn't it? Not all candy-coated, put a ribbon on it, and nice ending. I, I wanted to show you that because we're starting a new series on, the, on, on looking at the promises of God through God's Word. And, and here's what we're going to look at over the next couple weeks is, can we trust God at His Word? Can we trust Him? And I think the problem is it's not necessarily, is God trustworthy, I think the problem is, can we trust God with our whole lives? How, how many of you are kind of like me where you're a little, you have a, a little bit of control freakness in your life? Okay, good. There's good. We're going to have a little therapy this morning, work on your control freakness this morning, right? I, I'm like that. Like as a pastor, you know, you may not worry about this, but as a pastor, like when you see storm warnings on Sunday, I just that just irritates. I go, why on Sunday do all the storms come? Why can't you just push on Monday, then have a snow day, and everybody can stay home from school? Why on Sunday? So how many know you can't control the weather? So the Lord says to me, Barton, you can't control what goes on, so just relax and have a good night's sleep. There are many things in our life that, that we want to control, and so it's kind of this partnership with God where we say, well, God, I'll trust you in some things, and then I'll take care of the other things. And, and as we're going to look over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the promises of God and how we can trust God at his word and find peace for our lives 
to simply rest in him. And I think one of the issues in our lives is that, is that there's this anxiety and worry that occurs in our lives because we're trying to control things in our lives that God is saying, stop trying to control it yourself and let me take control. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at, in, in the Bible, there's over 3,000 promises in the word of God that we can trust, that we can cling to. Some of you, if I were to say to you today, some of you here today, your favorite Bible verse is actually a promise of God. Now, I don't know too many of you who's your favorite Bible verse is John eleven thirty-five. I don't see when I go to uh, or watching TV or go to a sporting event, I don't see someone with a big sign that says John eleven thirty-five. I see John three sixteen, but not John. You know what John eleven thirty-five is? It's Jesus wept. I don't. I don't know if that's anybody's favorite verse out there, but I don't see that. Usually, your favorite verse is a promise of God that you've clinged on to that says, you know, this is this is an assurance for my life. This is something that brings me comfort. So we're going to look at the most popular uh, verses in the Word of God over the next couple of months, and we're going to dissect them. And, and what we're going to learn over the next couple of weeks is how can we trust God? Is God true? Is God trustworthy? So let, let's just pray, and let's ask God just to open up our hearts. And for those of you that are here today, and maybe you're just struggling with some things in your life, or you're, you're struggling with control, or struggling to really let God take control of your life, my prayer for you today is that you will relinquish your whole life to Christ and just allow him to take control, that you can find the peace and the assurance that God desires to give to you each and every day. Amen. So, so let's pray. Lord, just, just thank you for today. And thank you, Lord, that, that you're in control, that you're sovereign, that we don't have to worry, that we can trust you at your word. And I pray over the next weeks, Lord, that as we dig into your promises, that God, you would just assure your people that you are true, that you are faithful that you will never leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from your love. So we just, we just thank you, Lord, for all these things. And, and Jesus, we just pray that you would touch our heart. Thank you that Syracuse is still undefeated. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, if, if you've got your Bibles or you, you can take a Bible in the seat in front of you, just, just put your finger on Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to dig into that in just a moment, but just stick your finger there for just a moment. Now, let, let's, let's ask, what, what is a promise? Let's, let, let's dissect what a promise is. What is the definition? Well, the, the dictionary, uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, says a promise is a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified that gives the person to whom it is made the right to claim the performance or forbearance of a specified act. Okay, I like this definition better. James McDonald, great pastor, author, says this. He says a promise is this. I like this. He says a promise, listen, a promise is the assurance that God gives to his people so that they can walk by faith while they wait for him to work. Okay, let me say that because that was really good. And I think... James McDowell will be hurt if he didn't hear an amen after that. Okay, so let me, let me say it to you again. It's a promise is the assurance that God gives to us, gives to his people, so that they can walk by faith while they wait for God to work. And so what we see a promise is that a promise means to, to, to give your word, which, 
which you will follow through with an action. So God declares to us, listen, I'm going to give you a promise, but I'm going to follow through with an action. It's just not empty words. Now, now, parents, if you're a parent and you have children, you can understand this. How many of you, you promised something to your kids and then either you forgot about it or you just did it just to, you know, I've got kids and they're like, Dad, can I get that, 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 right? They, they want something. So they, they badger you and they badger you and say, okay, okay. And then, and then five minutes later, they're asking for it now. They want it now. I said, no, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll do it sometime. And then the next day, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? How many of you know if you make a promise and you don't follow through with that promise, your kids will throw it back in your face by saying, but you promised, Right? Am I the only parent here that that's happened to, right? You promised. How many of you, um, someone broke their promise to you and you were hurt? Or, or maybe there was a, a promise that this product that you saw on TV was going to make your life a whole lot better, right? You, you ever see those commercials where, where you can buy this product and, and my, one of my favorite commercials, my kids and I laugh at it every time. There's this commercial of this thing that you can buy. It's called the ear vacuum. And, and, and what the ear vacuum does is you, you, if you get water in your ears, you notice the older, I was a swimmer, never used to get water in my ears. Now that I swim, I don't, you, you know, the only thing that grows are your ears and your nose as you get older, you know, and your nose, hair and your hair and yours. But anyways, story for another day. But I always get water in my ears. Now, they have this product on TV now where you can stick this thing in your ear and it sucks the water out for you, right? Now, the way they make this thing so wonderful is they show someone sticking a, a cotton swab in their ear and he's like, ow! You know, like, he, like, the, like the, he's got to go to the hospital. They try to make it so wonderful. And how many of you have ever bought a product on TV and it just didn't deliver, the, you know, the bamboo steamer just didn't steam your food like you thought it would, right? The Ronco record cleaner just didn't clean your record albums the way you thought they would, right? The Ginsu knives wouldn't cut the, 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 the tin can in half like you saw it on TV, right? You, you know, these products, they sell these things, delivering these huge promises, and many times the promises don't deliver. Now, the promise that we see in the Word of God is, is much different because God delivers on his promises. God is true to his word and we can trust him. And so the promises in the word of God are not given to us so that we can manipulate God to do our bidding. The promises of God found in scriptures, what they do is they reveal God's wonderful character and how God is true to his word. So many of the promises in God uh, and God's word are general promises, meaning they are promises given to every follower of Christ. These are the promises that we're going to focus on. And as we look at the promises of God, I want us to just keep a couple things in mind as we go over the next couple weeks into this new series. The promises of God are usually conditional, which means this, we need to act upon them. God gives us a promise and we need to step out in faith and act upon those promises. The promises of God are not some magical formula to get my way. Now, this is important to understand. The promises of God 
are given not to have God submit to our will, but for us to submit and obey his will. The promises of God are based on his timetable, not ours. And so trusting God is pivotal because we want everything done yesterday, right? And many times God waits and he's patient with us because he's developing character and perseverance in our lives. It doesn't mean that he's not true to his promises. He's just saying, you need to wait. You need to learn to trust me. You need to wait on me. We live in a society where everything's given to us instantaneously. And for us in America to wait on God is very difficult for us to do because how many know, like me, we're very impatient. If you're in the drive-thru at McDonald's for more than two minutes, we're impatient. What's going on? What are they doing back there? This is fast food. What's going on? And we get impatient if our food doesn't come fast enough or things don't happen quickly enough for us. We're very impatient. But the promises of God, listen to me, the promises of God come alive. They become a reality to us when life is hard and doesn't make sense because this is our hope. And I believe that through the trials of life and through the difficult things that we face in our life, We need to cling on these promises because these are the things that are going to help us get us through. These are the things that are going to give us hope for the future, knowing that God is true to his word so that when I'm going through a dark time in my life and and life just doesn't make sense, God has given us these 3,000 promises to say, I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to walk with you through this thing. You may not understand. It may be dark, but I'm going to walk through these things with you. So God gives us these for a purpose. Let me just give you a couple scriptures before we jump into Proverbs. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Can I get an amen? God, thank God he is patient with us. Right? We should all be dead right now, but God is patient with us, right? Thank God he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How many of you are like me that you've been praying for somebody that they would change? Or maybe you've been praying for a loved one that they would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you're praying and you just don't see any results. And it just gets frustrating. You're like, God, when is this person's heart going to change? God is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And God says, do not give up. Keep praying for that child. Keep praying for that friend. Keep praying for that spouse. Don't give up. God is patient. Amen? Here's the second one. Uh, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what he says about his promises. It says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desires." So what Peter is saying here is God has given us these promises that we can be partakers in his divine nature, which means 
God gives us the power of his Holy Spirit that indwells every follower of Jesus Christ. He gives us eternal life. We become like Christ. Our sins are forgiven. God will never leave us or forsake us. These are all the promises God gives us for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And so these are precious promises. I mean, just think about it for a moment. No matter what I'm going through as a follower of Jesus Christ, I know that when I am in Christ Jesus, heaven awaits me. There's an eternity that awaits me. When I know that I'm in Christ Jesus, I know that my sins are forgiven and that I'm in a right relationship with God. There's no more guilt and condemnation. Even though life may stink for a while or things may be real hard in my life, I know that my relationship is correct with God because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a promise that we hold on to knowing that God has secured our future no matter how bleak my life looks right now. I have no earthly clue how the apostles in the first century made it with all the severe persecution. Do you realize that every apostle, except for maybe John, we're not sure of if he died a martyr's death, but he was exiled to the island of Patmos, all died a martyr's death. Peter was hung upside down on the cross. Many were boiled, executed, stoned for their faith in Jesus Christ. What kept their hope alive? What kept them going? I believe it was the promises of God. It was the promise that God secured for them their future. That God said, I, I, I will promise to you eternal life for those who put their hope and their trust in Christ Jesus. Now, here's where it gets hard. Where it gets hard is how do I trust the promise of God while living in the reality of today? That's where it becomes real difficult. How do I trust the promises of God while living in the reality of today? Because the promises of God seem so tomorrow. The way I think is I want something today. I want it to occur today. But see, the promises of God help us to live in the reality of today for this reason. He has promised us that our future will be secure. I love the words of Jesus in John 16, when he says to his disciples, he says, listen, I have told you these things. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have bad days, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You see, this passage is very futuristic. This promise gives us hope for the present because Christ has secured our future. So this is our rock. This is what gives us strength to wait. This is what gives us faith not to give up. And so the most difficult part for every single one of us in this room is trust. Are we going to trust God at his Word. And when we're going through something, it's the trusting that is the most difficult part because we feel like we're all alone. We feel like we're isolated. We feel like, does God really care? Is God really there? Does God see my need? Does God hear my cries for help? And so this is what I want to deal with today is that the promise of trust is God true to his word? And the answer is a resounding yes. And, and, and hopefully my prayer for you today is that whatever you're going through today, whatever trust issue you're going through today, you will learn that God is a trustworthy God and you can put your full assurance in him and he will give you peace to help you to get through whatever you're going through in life and whatever life hands you. So we can trust God that God will never let us down. So, so what we're going to do is I'm going to look at, at my favorite verse first. 
because this is the best promise in the whole Bible. So I'm going to look at this promise first. This is probably my favorite verse. I believe that if we get this promise down, this promise is foundational for all the other promises. Now, I've shared this with you before. When we built the sanctuary, um, before we laid the carpet, we had this slab. And what we did is we, from the old sanctuary, we came in and we, I gave everybody Sharpies and we all wrote our favorite verse on the floor of this sanctuary. And so mine is right over there. And this verse is right here. Because I got an X mark right here on the carpet. This is my verse right here. I wrote it right here. So underneath this carpet is all the promises of God, your favorite scripture verses, because we said we're going to build this church on the foundation of God's word. Because we believe that God's word is, is perfect. It's an errant it, it, it breathes life into us. We believe it's living, it's active. We believe it's God's word to man. We believe it, it changes life, it redeems life, it helps us to live in accordance to God's will. So everything we do here at our church is on the authority of God's word. So I believe this, this, this promise is foundational. So let's look at it. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you, this may be your favorite promise of God, but I believe this this promise is foundational to every other promise. So let's look at it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The proverb writer says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways do what? Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now there's three things I want to look at in this promise that I believe can help us to trust God every single day in our lives, no matter what you're faced with, no matter what your situation is, I believe that you can trust God and have a peace knowing that God is going to be with you. Now, here are three things that stand out in this verse. First, this starts with a condition. It first says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does this mean? Well, well, it, it's, a, it's, it's a step-by-step, moment-by-moment thing. Actually, the word there, trust, means to lie helpless and face down. It's a, actually, it's a picture of a servant waiting for the master's command in a readiness to obey. Now, I want you to think for a moment of a time when you had to put your complete trust in someone else. Think about it for a moment. Every time you step into an airplane, you're doing that. Have you ever thought about that? I hope this pilot knows what they're doing right? I hope that he or she that's flying this plane uh, took some flying lessons, has a lot of hours under their belt because we're going to be 30,000 feet up in the air and I don't want this thing diving down to earth at Mach 2, right? So that you, when you come into a plane, you're, you're, you're trusting that they know what they're doing. Every time I get in the car with my wife, Kathleen, I'm putting my trust in her or my son, Colby, who's learning how to drive, Let's pray right now. God, help us with my son's driving. Okay. Every time you go for surgery, right? It, it's almost funny. Like when you ask, I don't know how many of you do this, but I do this. If I'm going in for surgery, I don't want some 14-year-old doing surgery on me, right? Uh, and, and there's a, a, I'll ask, how many have you done? Just And it's funny because, the doctor will look at you kind of funny, like, not a lot of people ask, well, 
If you're gonna cut me open, I wanna know how many of these you've actually done. Because if I'm the first one, survey says, ah, next, okay? Okay, I want the old guy, right? I remember, <laughs> we are in the hospital in the summer for my wife or something she had to go through. And, uh, and it was like, I'm looking, uh, you know, I'm looking, everybody walking by, and, and the nurse walks in, and, I, and the nurse was older, older than me, and I go, I think you and I are the oldest people here, and I'm 47. What, what's going on? Is there anybody here over the age of 20? I, I just don't, I'm not feeling a lot of confidence here. A lot of young people run around, not saying they're not qualified, but, but how many you know, you, you're putting your trust in somebody, you're putting your trust in the life of someone else, and I'm, I'm hoping that they're qualified. I, I hope they know what they're doing. See, when, when I baptize people here at our church, we, we don't believe a little dab will do you. We believe in full immersion. And so when we baptize people, uh, we do full immersion. We get people into the water, into the tank. And I tell people, listen, uh, don't, many people will fight you when they want to go back because they're scared. And I said, the best thing you can do is relax and put your complete trust in me. I haven't lost anybody yet. And so just put your complete trust in me. I'll do everything that boils to the water, bring you back up. Don't, don't get stiff like this. You know, many people are like this, and they're like, you're trying to baptize a huge log. I said, just relax, fall back. I said, listen, some people I keep under a little bit longer because I know their sins are, are, are deep. So if I got you under for a while, that means there's a lot of sin there, and we'll get you back up. Okay, so there's this, you know, there's this, there's this trust thing. You see, what God says here, he says, you have to put your whole trust in me. You've got to put your whole heart in in me. I love this example in the Old Testament when the Israelites were ready to enter the promised land and um, uh, they sent out spies to spy out the land. They're in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, and, and uh, it, because of not trusting God and their time in the wilderness, uh, there were spies that were sent in the land to see what exactly the promised land looked like. And when they came back, there was, there was fear within many of the Israelites that spied out the land because they saw that there were giants in the land, except for Joshua and Caleb. They said, hey, let's go do it. God has promised us that this land is ours, and so let, we don't care about the giants. Let's go do it. And, and I love what Numbers 14.24 says. This is what God says about Caleb. He says, he says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Catch this. Promises are no good unless you trust them wholeheartedly. You will never see the fruit of the promise because many of us are too fearful to take a step of faith and begin to trust God that he's going to meet that need. Thank you, Ruth. Okay? Listen. Listen to me. Caleb... Caleb wasn't afraid of the giants. Why? Because he was more fearful of God. He, he, he wanted to trust God because he knew that his God was bigger than the giants in the land. And I think what happens is we begin to look with physical eyes at our problems and we think, well, this problem's too big for God. Is it really? And so what we do is we do nothing. And then we see nothing and we get discouraged. Because we never take a step of faith to trust God. I can remember, I remember in college, no money, went to college in Florida. And um, I remember, it was before I had a job, so my freshman year, my dad says, listen, just concentrate on your studies and blah, 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 blah. 
And so I remember that my laundry was in the corner of, of my apartment that I was living in and just piling up. And I just didn't have money to, to you know, I didn't want to call my parents again. I just didn't have money to, to do my laundry. And, you know, that magic hamper that used to be at my mom's house wasn't there anymore. I used to put my laundry in this magic hamper. And when it would come out, it would be all folded neat in my drawers. I went, ah, magic hamper. It didn't work in college. The magic hamper was overflowing with stinky clothes. And I can remember one day going, God, I need money. I have no money. And I remember going to my mailbox one day, opening it, and there was, there was a letter from my grandma Therese. And I opened it up, and there was $15 in the letter. Thank you, Jesus. I can do my laundry now. So my roommates don't yell at me anymore for stinky laundry. I can remember just walking by faith as a, as a scout, college student saying, God, you got to meet this need. you got to meet this need. And it was amazing how God was faithful to meet the littlest needs of even getting my laundry done. Isn't that, isn't that funny how we'll do that? But the problem is if we don't trust God, if we don't recognize him, if we think the issue is too big, then we're never going to see God's promises come true in our life because we walk too much in fear. You see, Caleb's strength didn't come from himself. It came from God. His fear was not in the giants, but in disobeying God. So do, do I trust God when things don't go my way or when life is too hard or when the problem looks too big? God says, trust in me with your whole heart. The second thing in that passage I want you to see, it says, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, this doesn't mean that we, we don't use our brain or we ignore common sense. I love this passage in, in, in Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one, where it says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory rests in the Lord. So the proverb writer is saying there, he's saying, listen, you prepare yourself, you get ready, God's going to bring the victory. God's going to fulfill the promise. You just wait on him. You get ready. You take a step of faith. You, you, you prepare yourself and you wait on the Lord. And then it's the victory that's ultimately the Lord's. Amen? Not mine. So we just wait. I'm prepared. I'm ready, God. And I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to take a step of faith. And then it all rests with the Lord anyway. So the warning here is against self-reliance. Am I going to do this without godly wisdom? Or am I going to do this in my own wisdom? And this is where godly counsel and where biblical wisdom is, is applied. If, if I have a choice to make and, and I know it goes against God's word, then I'm leaning on my own understanding. Now, the warning here is be aware of unsound wisdom. Be careful of listening to your heart. Your heart will always get you in a heap of trouble. Uh, even Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can trust it? So what happens when we trust ourselves? Well, here's another story of, of, of Joshua. When they actually entered the promised land, the first city they, they attacked was Jericho. And this was a massively fortified city with a, with a wall around it. Just, just massive. And, and here's the children of Israel coming to attack this first city to take possession of the promised land. And they had to completely Trust God. Now, I want you to listen to Joshua 6 is, is the specific instructions that God gives to Joshua in order to defeat Jericho because, because in their own mind, there's no way they could have beat the city. There's no way. It was, it was fortified. There's no way they could have overcome the walls. They didn't have the manpower. They didn't have the, the weaponry to do it. There was no way. Listen to what God told them because this is just weird. This is just like, what? 
This is how we're going to fight? Listen to what the Lord says. And the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua 6, 2 and 4, it says, See, I have given Jericho into your hands. Wait, we haven't done anything, God. How do you? He goes, I've already given it to your hands. Now you just got to trust me. I've already given it to you. Now you got to trust me. He says, with its kings and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do this for six days. So he says, I want you to march around the city once for six days. I can't imagine the people in Jericho looking down going, what are these nut jobs doing? They're marching around the city. What do they think they're doing? This isn't going to work. And then he tells them, the seven priests... Shall, shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow their trumpets. So he goes, what I want you to do is I want you to, seventh day, I want you to march around Jericho seven times and I want you to play praise music. And I want you to glorify me and sing worship songs unto me. Now, in the, in my mindset, that's not real good military tactics. Give me the big bombs just to blow the wall up, right? And we're done. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to march and watch what I'm going to do before you. Now, do you think that took some trust? Do you think maybe Joshua in the back of his mind is thinking, I don't know if God knows what he's doing here. Have you ever thought that before? God, do you know what you're doing? I'm trusting you, but I, I don't know is this, what's going on here. We, we doubt and we may have conversations with God. I'm sure that may have, have, have gone through maybe Joshua's mind, but I want you to notice something. God told Joshua exactly what to do. Once, six days, seven day, seventh day, seven times, worship me, the priest. Now, now we're going to try to, we could try to analyze this and say, well, what, what did, what's that got to do with the cost of oil? What, what is, I don't get it. Why, why six days and seventh day, seven times? What does that have to do? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it has to do something with God's creation. I don't know. I really don't know why he had them do it that specific way, but I think I have the answer. I think the answer is just obedience. I think the answer is maybe God said, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to listen? Are you going to trust me even though it doesn't make sense? Are you going to trust me? Here's what I love. Is that each victory is different for the Lord. Each battle is going to be different. There is no formula with God because what we love to do as humans, is once something works a certain way, one way, we want to do it that way all the time because we say, aha, I've got the formula on how this thing works because I prayed this way with this certain prayers on this certain day at this certain time with this certain person and my prayer was answered. So I'm going to do it the same way every time. And then all of a sudden it doesn't work that way. And we're like, well, why is it working it that way? I thought it worked. And God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I may do it different at different times in different ways because I want you to learn to trust me. And I want you to notice something here. The very next town that Joshua was to go to was the town of Ai. Now, here's what's interesting 
about the town of Ai. It was nothing compared to the walled city of Jericho. And we know the walls fell down. They went in and they, 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 they took over the city. But the next town was Ai. This was nothing compared to Jericho. There was no wall. There was no big army. And what they thought was no problem. Joshua, what he did was he had, he had men spy out the town. And I want you to hear what happened. In Joshua 7, 3 and 4, it said, when they returned, the spies, to Joshua, they said, listen to what they said to Joshua. Listen, this is a good verse. We're going to wrap this thing up. Listen to what he said to Joshua. Here's what, here's what the wisdom of men said to Joshua. Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it and do not weary the whole army for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai. Wait a minute. That this army was nothing compared to the army of Jericho or the walled fortified city of Jericho, and they got routed. I want you to notice something. What is the difference between Jericho and their victory there and their defeat in the next town in Ai? What happened was they got cocky. They started to rely on themselves. And what the mistake that Joshua made is he began to listen to the wisdom of men. And what I want you to notice in the parallel of those two situations, those two circumstances, Joshua never went to the Lord. You see, Joshua got comfortable. He said, this victory was so massive and so great at Jericho, they began to rely on the victory and what God did in the past. And all of a sudden, they didn't listen to the word of the Lord and God humbled them in Ai because they didn't trust the Lord. Maybe God wanted them to do something different. I don't know. But what they did was they trusted in their own valor, in their own strength, and they were soundly defeated. You see, people listen to me closely. Some of you are here today and you are so discouraged with God because you're not seeing some of these promises come true. The reason why is you're trusting in yourself. You're trusting your own wisdom and knowledge. You, you, w w see, we all do this. I do this. When there's a problem, the first person we run to is a book or we run to a friend and say, oh, I got this problem. And we don't run to God. And God says, no, 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 wait a minute. I'm not saying there's not godly counsel and godly wisdom and godly friends, but you need to run to me first. You, you need to seek my wisdom and my, and, 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 and my understanding. You need to run to the, to the word of God. You know, I was having this conversation with my son the other day, and, and um, this was, it was just a God moment. I just, after the conversation, I just felt like, I think that went good. I think my teenage boy got it in his teenage mind with a million other things going on in a teenager's mind. And we were talking about forgiveness. And, and he had an issue at school and there's this issue and he didn't agree and blah, blah, blah. And I said, fine. I said, you know what? I said, Colby, you know what it comes down to? The word of God says that we need to forgive. And you may be right. That person may be wrong. I don't know. But the bottom line is, you know what? As followers of Christ, we need, we need to take the higher road and we need to ask forgiveness of that person so that bitterness doesn't creep in. And then, and then ends up 
ruining that relationship that God desires to restore. And he just looked at me and he was like, you're right. So I said, let's pray. And let's ask God to touch your heart, to follow his word, and to offer forgiveness for that person who you thought did you wrong. So we prayed. And you know what? I could see my son's heart turn from this defensive, I'm right, right? How many of us are like that? Well, I'm right. They're wrong. I'm right. End of story. Move on. And God said, ah, no, 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 no. Listen, you might win the fight, but you're going to end up winning, losing the whole battle. And God says, it's just not winning Jericho or winning Ai. It's about obedience. You're going to have to listen to me every step of the way. And if you don't, you're going to lose your way. And what happens is when we begin to listen to the wisdom of men and we think, well, I'm right, they're wrong, and they don't deserve forgiveness, all of a sudden bitterness sets in and begins to ruin our testimony for Jesus Christ. Amen? See, that's listening to the wisdom of man, which eventually will shipwreck you. So what does the proverb writer says at the end here? He says, listen, in all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This means every choice, I'm going to acknowledge you. I need to hear from you. I need, I need your help. And you begin to pray. And here's, here's when we take that step and we trust the Lord with all our heart and we acknowledge him in, in all our ways and we don't lean on our understanding that's the condition. When we take that step of faith, here's the promise that comes true. The promise is he's going to make your paths straight, which means he's going to keep you safe. He will, he's going to keep you from following perverse or a crooked path that's going to lead you down a wrong road. You see, sometimes we want to take that shortcut, but in the end it leads to destruction. And so for some of you here today, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, there, there are some definite things within my heart and my life that I'm not trusting God in. And it's tearing me up inside. And it's giving me sleepless nights. And, and, and there may be some of you here today and you've just not given full control to Jesus Christ. Your, your walk with Christ is just a Sunday thing and, and you live your life the way you want to live the rest of the week. But Christ is telling you, no, no, you've got, to, you've got to relinquish everything to me. If you're going to see my promises fulfilled in your life, you've got to relinquish everything to me. You've got to lay your whole life down to me. And I think the problem, I think the problem for some of us here today, the reason why we're not feeling God's peace and assurance and there's insecurity in our life is because we're not taking that step of faith forward and waiting on God to allow him to fulfill the promises in your life. And so what God wants to do in your heart and life today is he says, listen, trust me. Trust me. Stop worrying about it. Why are you worrying about it? Each day has a, Jesus says each day has enough worries about its own. Stop worrying about it. Put your trust in me. And it's amazing. For some of you here today, you're worried about your job. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about this, that, and the other. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Lay that at my feet. 
And in return, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a peace that passes all understanding that's going to guard your heart and it's going to guard your life and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so if you're here today and that's you, what I would tell you, the first step I would take is if there's a disconnect with you and Jesus and you and God, the Bible tells us to come to the Lord. You repent, you ask God for forgiveness for not trusting him. That's the first step. For some of you here today that you've made that commitment to Jesus Christ, you're born again and Christ has changed your life, but you're struggling with life issues because of of trust things in your life and control issues in your life. Jesus says, take a step of faith and trust me in these areas and see what I will do. Trust me. Don't worry about it. Trust me. And so what, what God desires us to do is we need to begin to pray about those things and lay those things at Christ's feet and say, God, I know that you can do these things but I just need to wait on you. And I know some of you here, you're, you're, you're tired of waiting. You're anxious. And Jesus says, just wait on me. Let me give you the peace. Wait on me. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Nothing's going to separate you from my love, which is in Christ Jesus. So allow those promises to infiltrate your heart And some of you here today, you need to lean on them with all your weight. You need to lean on them with all your weight. I'll tell you what, this summer was just a hard summer for my wife and I. She went through some medical things. It was just a hard summer. We had to really trust the Lord. And I can remember coming into church And singing some of the songs that, like we sang today, it was such a sweet worship time this morning. And I can remember singing some of these songs during the summertime, and those words became so much sweeter to me because of the trial that we were going through. Because now those words meant something to me because of the trial that we were going through. And some of you here today, you're going through a trial, but God says, I want my promises to be that much sweeter to you even in the trial that you're going through now. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. And you may be here today, and that's exactly what you're going through. So I want to pray for you. And and just allow Christ to infiltrate your heart as you lean. Just lean on him. Take these promises. So we're going to go through God's word, and we're 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 going to unveil another promise next week. You just go through that word and just say, if, if anything, you wake up in the morning and just say this. This is, this is what I do. You just wake up in the morning and you say, God, I know that you said that you're never going to leave me or forsake me. So no matter what happens this day, I know that you're with me. And I know that your word says that nothing's going to separate me from your love, that you are true to your word, not based on my performance, not based on whether or not I'm going to make a mistake today, but you base your love for me based on what you did for me 2,000 years ago on that cross. So I know that you're committed to me, even though I may fail and make mistakes. I know that you're not going to leave me. Remind yourself of that. Let your security be in who Christ is. So Lord, as we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, we need your strength. We need your encouragement today. Lord, I pray for anyone that's here today that's just struggling, that's going through a difficult time. Lord, I just pray that they would lean 
on those promises with all their weight and that they would see the faithfulness of the Lord. We, we know that we can even see the goodness of the Lord even in the land of the living, David said. We, I know that we're going to see your goodness when we persevere and we trust you. We're going to see it. We're going to know that it's from you too, not from us, not from man's wisdom, not from anything I've done, but we're going to see that you're faithful to your word and that we're going to give you all the glory. So God, you work your way in your will and your people this morning as we just trust your word and we trust your promises. Thank you that when we lean on you, that when we acknowledge you, you make our path straight. You keep us from harm. You keep us from a perverse path. You keep us from a crooked path. You keep us right down the center of the road where it's safe and secure. So we're putting our hope in you this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do for us each and every day. In your precious name, in your precious name, we ask all these things. We ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's give the Lord just that hand clap of praise for his word today. Amen. Listen, I'm going to let you guys go back into the tundra. But uh, if you're here today and um, you just need prayer, um, I want to invite our, we have prayer partners that will be up here in the front to pray with you, whatever you're going through. And uh, so don't, you know, take advantage of that if you need to. And uh, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Amen. Go in God's grace. Amen. Have a great day. Savior, I come.